Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. Today, Rado runs through his top 10 board game themes that I'm wondering where the heck are they? And what do I mean by that? Well, hello. This is a list that has been a long time coming. Because whenever I do a Q&As, whenever I meet people at board game conventions, one of, if not the most commonly asked question I get is, hey, so what themes do you really wish a board game publisher to start focusing on? Where What's missing? And I have to admit, I never have an answer for that. My wife gets asked the question quite a bunch as well. It gets asked at least once every other episode of my podcast, which you can find at podcast.rao.com. And so for years, I've been trying to come up with a way to answer this question, and I finally stumble across the answer. The power, the the uh, the wisdom of crowds. Basically, what I did is I streamed myself live on Twitch uh, to an audience of about a hundred viewers, and I asked them, "Hey, you folks, what do you think is missing?" And I took all their best ideas that I absolutely loved, and I have created this list. So this was a passion project between me and some very very smart, clever, and creative fans of the show, and I am really happy. Now, not everybody's going to agree with all these things. I know there's going to be some that people really like. There's going to be some that are a little silly and cheesy. I will try to explain myself, but I do believe in every single one of these. So, without further ado, um, what is my number 10 theme that the industry really needs to see? Uh, Hold on to your butts, folks. It's me! Rotto! No, not really. Uh, in case you don't know, I was a video game developer for over two decades, or just shy of two decades. And I've worked on a lot of really famous video games. Siphon Filter, Fable 2, The Sims, Pitfall Lost Expedition, Brink. And um, I was really on the fence about putting this on, but all of those games I love so much. And I can easily visualize how all of those games, especially The Sims, where the heck is The Sims in board game form? Not as some kind of little party game, but a real meaty simulation that dep- that duplicates everything The Sims does. That's a total no-brainer. I worked on The Sims on console, PlayStation, Xbox, and uh, GameCube. And so that's on my list. And Siphon Filter is a great shooter um, that, uh, you know, that does really interesting mesh of stealth and action. I think uh, you could be... I mean, I'm so in love with Brink, the last major game I worked on, and Fable 2, where there is a Fable-style fantasy adventure game with all the humor. Go, somebody, go contact Dean Carter. Uh, he lives in America now. He is the heart and soul of Fable. And um, I imagine you could pull him out to get him to be a consultant on a Fable board game, which would be amazing! So... I wasn't going to put this on the list, but remember I talked about how I did this with a live audience, and the live audience kept goosing me. Come on, Rado, you can do it. And I have to admit, I would de- I love all these things that I've worked on so much. They would all make great board games. So, the, you know, my number 10, very self-servingly, is my own personal uva of video game designs turned into board game form. All right, so that was the silly one. Let's get to um, some more serious ones now with my number nine. Um... Pod or not sorry, uh, streaming. 
the life of a streamer. So once again, this is kind of all about me. But a few people suggested this, and I thought you could make a very, very interesting game about somebody actively trying to be successful on Twitch or on YouTube, making a career out of you know whatever topic it is they want to cover, trying to placate the fans, trying to um, you know, do collaborations with other people, trying to grow your channel, trying to respond to shifting changes, trying to respond to demonetization events that happen all the time. There is is fertile ground. And believe me, I know, because this is my life now. But I want to broaden this beyond just YouTube or Twitch streamer into just live TV broadcast management in general. There's a huge amount of interesting stuff. I would love to see a game about making classic uh, multi-cam sitcoms in the 50s. Uh, my wife and I, we just watched the uh, the the Desi Lucy, or the I Love Lucy movie the other night, and oh my gosh, a whole Euro-style resource management game set in that black and white world would be amazing. Or set, uh, you know, making friends. Or broadcasting the live nightly news. I mean, we've seen really interesting TV shows about that. Why haven't we seen games that focus on managing the personalities, you know, the anchors, the stars, whatever it is, dealing with equipment stuff, dealing with... I mean, there are some games that are kind of tangential to this. Uh, most notably, Gil uh, Hova's The Networks is fantastic, but that's a high-level executive choosing what shows get made. I'm talking about where the rubber hits the road, making the games themselves. I can see the board is literally the studio that you film on. Or, again, uh, go smaller and just be a little scrappy independent person person trying to make a living on Twitch. That whole live broadcast world is so rife with possibilities. I think you could make a lot of very interesting um, different styles of games within that. So that's my number nine. Then we move on to number eight, party planning, event planning. When somebody suggested this, oh, it was like a light bulb went off. It's such a no-brainer. Actually, um, interestingly, uh, if anybody, if, if any uh, publishers are watching this and are trying to get some good ideas and somebody says, that's a really good idea, contact John Gets Games, uh, another uh, board game YouTuber. His day job, he is a professional party planner. And so, I mean, he could give you all the information, you know, and there's so much to it. You know, and I could see this game, you know, I can see a lot of different games. You know, planning, you know, just families, planning a party for their kids, trying to get the, uh, the you know, the, the action Actors or the bouncy councils, and you know, getting the right presence and dealing with kids who don't get along with each other, or it could bro grow up bigger, big, massive gala events where you're worried about getting all the right people at the right tables uh, because you want to make sure. Oh well, um, you know, the vice president of marketing has to sit next to you know that kind of stuff, and then dealing with the entertainment, dealing with equipment failures. Uh, if you were actually here the day I actually streamed this live and came up with this list, I had some pretty significant equipment failures I had to deal with. So there's a lot of really interesting grists matter here in a lot of different venues, big or small. And I think uh, we could see a bunch of games. Plus, they could all be really bright and colorful and warm and inviting. Although, I mean, this goes beyond. Let's just, you know, I mean, you know, a more, uh, you know, party event type things. What about haunted houses? There's a lot that could be done here that nobody's ever touched in board game form, which is why it comes on the list at number eight. Uh, party event planning. Okay. Then we go on to number seven. And this one 
kind of circles back around to me again, video game development. Uh, again, I was a creative director, lead designer in the video game industry for two decades. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, there is so much. There could be a half a dozen different Euro-style games from a half a dozen different producers that uh, are you know, designers and publishers that approach this subject matter in completely different ways. I mean, I'm really close to this because for a brief window of time, I was working with Portal Games to do a video game development re-theme of their fantastic business sim, Predator, and um, and it was really working. And ever since then, I've wanted to see it. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not eager to go back to all the epic 60-hour-a-week, 52-weeks-a-year crunch lifestyle that I lived for literally years. But, um, again, there's so much that can be done in this space. And I think it would be genuinely very engaging. Uh, you know, because it is about game development. Now, as a sidestep, you could also talk about board game development, too. I don't have any first-hand knowledge. I wonder if there's enough there to really make it. Um, as opposed to video games, independent uh, game development, massive multiplayer, uh, you know, uh, MMO development, uh, you know, MOBA-style games, free-to-play. I mean, there's so much stuff there. Uh, it's just such a no-brainer. I mean, I have seen some video game-themed things, but they're just basically like recreating the video game content. There's actually one coming. It's about life in the '80s, trying to play all the best games in an arcade. I keep waiting. Where's the one about actually making these things? And not just a simple party game, but deep Euros. Heavy, complex resource management, budgetary stuff, scheduling, um, you know, all the all the different partners you have to make your your publishers, your fans. I, I, it's it's really a no-brainer. And sooner or later, somebody's going to do it. And I suspect it'll be a big hit. Video game development. All right. So that was what that was my number seven, right? Uh, Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. All right. Oh, I've all right, I've lost track. All right. I'm going to stop counting. There's a number there on screen next to my head that says what the number is. The next one is uh, shopping malls. Specifically, I mean, this is not something I ever would have occurred in a million years. And this is why I had so much fun doing this live with the audience. Because somebody suggested that. Shopping malls in their heyday, in the 80s and 90s, in America, when, I mean, they were taking over everything. Of course, these days, shopping malls are kind of sad, depressing shells. But and and I, maybe there's something a little off about celebrating, you know, just the worst of consumeristic excess. But there's no two ways about it. A shopping mall tycoon style game would be fantastic. And again, there's different types. So, you know, there's the multi-level mega malls. There's strip malls. Um, you know, I have seen some games that do little bits of things that maybe are you like trying to control a bodega with a couple of shops. But these sorts of things, you know, these literal monstrosity temples to consumerism that just take up, you know, massive amounts of square footage, of acreage. You know, they have to grow parking problems, traffic problems in the surrounding area, trying to get the consumers in. Um, you know, holiday rushes. Uh, you know, there's so much interesting stuff to be done here. And then, of course, a, you know, a million different cards that represent a million different types of shops that would be able to get uh, in here and charging rent for them and, you know, trying to deal with shifting uh, taste. Are people really into Hot Topic anymore? I'm not quite sure. Uh, maybe I need to, you know, raise the rent on them and get them out. Really, really cool. I could see a lot of very fun Euro-y style economic stuff with a shopping mall tycoon. Okay, then we've got Iron Man. And I'll be honest, when the person suggested this, they were actually talking about like Iron Man triathlon stuff. And I'll agree, that's a brilliant idea for a game. But as soon as they said Iron Man, that sparked something in me, and I wanted to talk about this. This is a recurring thing I have had for superhero board games for years. 
The interesting thing about Iron Man is not the fact that he shoots repulsor beams from his hands and he flies around and he has an AI in his head. The interesting thing about Iron Man, he is, well, in the Marvel Universe, an Elon Musk-type person who has a whole life. He has this whole other side. Um, Marvel Champions, one of my favorite games of recent years, when it first came out, it seemed like it was really focusing hard on the personal life of the heroes. But over time, they have walked away and walked away and made that game nothing but punch, 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 superhero, supervillain, punch, 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 oh, I'm hurt, now I'll go back to punching. Don't get me wrong, I love that part of superheroes, but that's not what made me fall in love with Marvel Comics when I was a kid, and I saw Peter Parker had all the same problems I did. And when somebody said Iron Man, what? What an amazingly interesting game that would be. To say, oh yeah, you know what? There's something that represents him fighting the bad guys, but who cares about that? What's really interesting is him running, um, you know, Stark Tech. Being, you know, a, uh, you know a, a person who is, again, trying to balance budgets, trying to invest in research and development, trying to balance what he needs to research and develop for his own you know, uh, vigilante activities, but also taking those breakthroughs and um, applying them to consumer products that could literally lift people out of poverty. It drives me nuts. One of my big things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that they never really talk about how, oh, the arc reactor has made permanent, free, cheap um, energy for all. And that should have fundamentally changed the world. Now, maybe it did, and they just never spent any time to talk about how, hey, yeah, we don't really have much poverty anymore, thanks to... But I want to see a game that focuses on, okay, if you have superheroes doing these sorts of things, what is their day-to-day life like? Um, you know, And we've seen this a little bit. Um, Kick-Ass, which is based off a comic series, had a tiny bit of it. Uh, Seth Jaffe, a really great uh, designer developer from the sadly departed Tasty Minstrel Games, for years he was working on a game called Alter Ego that was really focused more on the day-to-day life. Um, and again, Marvel Champions, for a brief window, looked like they were going to do it. But this is what I want. I want an Iron Man... I want a Tony Stark simulation, not an Iron Man simulation. I want a Peter Parker going to college game where, oh, and by the way, he also has to deal with the fact that sometimes he's beat up and he, you know, and he still has to make class and stuff like that. That's what I want to see. That's what makes superheroes so compelling and interesting. Not the punchy, punchy kick and the flying and the zapping and all of that. So, um, even though it was not what they suggested, I want to see an Iron Man simulation. I want that to be the start of a whole different way of looking at superheroes in board games. Okay, then we move on to, I think we're at our number three. Let me count, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Oh, did I delete a window? I must have deleted a window, because I'm pretty sure I had 10. If not, I'll edit in something after the fact. But we're at my number three now, folks. Remember, I'm doing this live. I'm, I'm, I'm juggling a lot of balls. But our number three, uh, which I thought was a brilliant idea, was um, Famous Artists. Now, we have had some of this right now. But I, I mean, when I started thinking about it, when, when, the, uh, when, when it was suggested to actually a series of games 
you know, drilling down on a specific artist who works in a specific milieu, who has specific real-world things that they are dealing with. You know, Frida and Picasso and and um, and Michelangelo and all the rest of them. And it doesn't just have to be famous white artists. This was just a uh, you know a picture I could find. I mean, famous Asian artists, famous African artists, artists throughout history, and having games that really drill down on their lives. You know, in the same way that the movie Amadeus created such an interesting, dramatic tension. But, you know, between um, Tom Hulse and uh, F.R.A. Abraham, I can see that kind of stuff working its way into games. Bringing history to life, telling us the story of these amazing people, some of whom we've heard of, many of whom we haven't. And, um, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like a more grounded, down-to-earth version of what I was just talking about. Hey, tell us the personal story of superheroes. I want games that tell the personal stories of real, influential, historic artists from around the world and from around time. I believe I've seen games that do replicate the artistic act, you know, by mixing paints and stuff like that. And that's all well and good, but those are always abstracted away. I want games about these specific people. Why? As a board game industry, do we have so many games that focus on cities and put the name of the city on the box, but we don't have all these games that focus on the people? And we, there's no reason not to. That is, as soon as somebody suggested that, I got so excited. I, I mean, I, I mean, I want more of this. And um, so it's my number three, historical artists. Okay. Then we go on to number two. And uh, this is the this is the toughest one. We obviously, the board game industry, for a long time, have had tons and tons of games all about the era of colonization. Of European colonizers going to Africa, going to the Americas, going to Asia, and just setting up colonies, and making really fun, engaging, interesting engine-building games where we're trying to harvest resources and send them back home. I've played so many of these games. I've loved so many of these games. But I have definitely got my my eyes open these days, thanks to Jason Perez and others about how that's a really myopic view of history. And I think it's been represented enough. And the question is, what about the other side of the coin? Where is the um, age of colonized rather than colonization? Telling the story of the people who are on the receiving end. And now, it doesn't all have to be doom and gloom. I'm, I am so excited. Uh, it was announced recently um, that uh, Jason Perez, a really prolific uh, board game YouTuber, uh, if, you, if you haven't seen him, go check out the links in the show notes. I'll have a link for uh, John Gets Games as well. Great channels. Uh, it was recently announced that uh, the publishers of Prayer to Rico for a new anniversary edition that's coming, where it will no longer be about the colonizers, you know, basically converting Puerto Rico into tobacco fields, but instead it will tell the story of what happened after the um, freedom was obtained by the people, and they had to rebuild their own society with them in charge. That is beautiful, especially because they're not really changing the mechanisms. They're just changing the setting and the story and telling a different story about goods production and harvesting and conversion from a different point of view. And that's wonderful. And I hope that's just the beginning. Um, there's, a, there's a really interesting game called Zingu. I've never played it from a South American developer that is told from the point of view of the, uh, the uh, Native American tribe, or the, 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 the South American tribes, and you know how their life, way of life was changed. Somebody, actually, when we were talking about this in the live thread, talked about um, you know, the, uh, the American, uh, Native American Indian tribes, uh, not necessarily focusing on how... You, know, you could do a game that's just like, oh, look how terrible it is that they were all just you know trail of tears into reservations 
celebrations and all that. But what about a thing that celebrated their heroics, their fights for freedom? You know, the way that they were sabotaging rail lines and whatnot. And I mean, we have a very simple myopic view of that story. Board games are perfect for telling that story. And nobody's doing it. It's huge. It's wide open. We've told enough stories about the colonizers. Let's tell stories about the colonized now. And that's why it's my number two. And my number one, um, after that very heavy topic, I think is going to be near and dear to a lot of people's hearts, Star Wars! But specifically, when somebody suggested this, heavy Star Wars. That really piqued my interest. Because pretty much every Star Wars game out there is about running around with lightsabers, and TIE fighters, and X-wings, and blasters, and just having adventures. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's totally fine. I have seen a lifetime worth of that. Here's what I haven't seen. I have not seen an economic Euro simulation about the, um, the, uh, the Imperial Navy Yards that build all those TIE fighters. They're getting blown up all the time. I have not seen a really deep, heavy, rich Euro from Vita Lasarda about how after the Empire Falls at the end of Return of Jedi, the New Republic has to be rebuilt on Coruscant. You can't tell me that wouldn't be an amazing rich Euro, dripping with theme, really interesting stories to tell. We have got so much adventure Star Wars board games, it's coming out of our ears. But where's the Euro Star Wars? The really interesting, I'm talking about heavy stuff. That's why I mentioned Vito Lasarda, um, you know, and, and other really designers who really push the envelope. And, and I mean, you know, it's great. Vinos is wonderful making um, um, wine or gallerists running, um, you know, galleries um, or, or, um, or, uh, oh, a number of them. But how about ones that are set in a galaxy far, far away? Uh, you know, at first, I kind of dismissed it out of hand, because I have to admit, I'm not the biggest Star Wars um, guy in the world. I, I like Star Wars. I grew up with it. But the more I thought of it, and it was interesting, the uh, the live audience, they got to vote. I, I picked nine of them, and the live audience picked the tenth one. And this was the one they chose. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, I was going to put theirs at the top, at the bottom of the list, at number ten. But no, it's my number one. I want to see Euro-style Star Wars uh, heavy, heavy economic simulations in a galaxy far, far away, and I want it now, board game industry. I want it now. And that's it, folks. Ten great themes. Unless I forgot one. I, I, I'm really concerned now that I, I only counted nine tabs. I'm pretty sure I set one up. Um, if I forgot one, tell you what, we will pause right now. Bronze Age Collapse! How could I forget? That was that was literally the first one that was suggested by the audience, and it was one of my favorites. When I was just getting the list ready in front of the audience, I just goofed up and forgot to go find a picture that represents this really interesting and mysterious time in history. I have played um, Bronze Age games, and I've played Stone Age games, and I've played Iron Age games. But, for those of you who don't know, and I have to admit, I know very little about this, there is this mysterious chapter of history, the, uh, the Bronze Age Collapse, where pretty much all of the massive civilizations that had been developing in the Western world just disappeared. Some people say Assyria survived. Uh, this is one of many, many pictures I found that like hypothesizes different reasons that all these huge population centers just kind of disappeared. That's really engaging. Talk about interesting subject matter. Now, I don't know, maybe there's some really super heavy-duty war game that's covered this topic, but that's not what I want. I want a nice mid-weight Euro. I want a nations-style game, or a tapestry-style 
civilization game that is about the end of civilization. Uh, what could possibly bring it out? What did people do? Where did they go? Now, I appreciate this has the potential to be a really dire and dour and depressing game, but I, I think it could be handled deftly. I think you maybe want to abstract out a lot of the stuff and um, and just focus more on you know what are the potential. I mean, there's lots of hypotheses, earthquakes, you know, um, you know, economic collapse, all kinds of stuff. You know, maybe this is a game or series of games that investigates different things that happened. And you know, what? I can imagine games that aren't aren't about you know the big picture, but about an individual city and you know how. Oh, uh, yo! You, as a leader of a city in the middle of the Bronze Age collapse, what are you going to do to try to do right by your people? I mean, there's so much interesting stuff here. Now, admittedly, we don't know much about the real history, but. I got no problem with speculative fiction. I just put a crazy galaxy far, far away game in my number one slot. So you better believe, I imagine there are a lot of really brilliant professors out there that have spent their life studying this and who are just waiting for that call from some plucky board game publisher say, hey, we would really like to make a game that brings your research to life. Would you like to collaborate with us? And I think next thing you know, you've got a Game of the Year candidate. That's what I want to see. That's the one that was missing. Um, there it is, the number, whatever it was. Sorry, folks. Sorry, audience. But okay. Uh, patch done. All complete. Where was I? And we're back. And if we didn't, you just saw me stand there like a statue for a second, and I talked about the 10th one that I accidentally deleted. But I want to say thank you to everybody who showed up for my live stream. I had a fantastic, and I can't tell you how many wonderful other ideas came up. If you want to watch that, hit that eye up in the top right corner of the screen or follow links to the show notes. There will be a link to the full um, episode where we talked for like 30 or 40 minutes about all kinds of different subjects. And then we actually, on camera, whittled it down to the 10 I just talked about. But anyway, folks, that's going to be it. Thank you very much for watching. And thanks to everybody who helped me make this list. Have a very nice day. Talk to you later. So long. Uh, bye bye